today from the Global Lane, Christian persecution rising around the world, coming soon to the USA. Maybe it will affect your employment. Maybe it will affect your opportunities for promotion. COVID-19 black swan event, but signs of worse times ahead. The Bible says that the prudent see danger and take refuge. Pandemic lockdowns, Capitol Hill and big city violence, big tech censorship, presidential impeachment, America unhinged. We've got to remain positive since we of faith know what the outcome of the story is. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. During his final days as U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo again demonstrated concern for human rights and religious freedom. He reminded his followers on Twitter that 80% of the world's population lives in a religiously restrictive environment. He also tweeted that, quote, religious freedom is our first freedom. Our next guest knows a great deal about the persecution of Christians worldwide. He's Todd Nettleton of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. So, Todd, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. You've been a voice for the voiceless, and you've helped a lot of suffering Christians over the years. So has the persecution grown worse? Has it lessened since you first started at the Voice of the Martyrs more than two decades ago? You know, I think persecution has increased in, and certainly in the last 20 years that I've been working at Voice of the Martyrs. And that's kind of the bad side of the coin. The good side of the coin is, is part of the reason the persecution has increased is because the church in places like China and North Korea and Africa is growing. So there are more new Christians to potentially be targets of persecution. Okay, let's look at some specific countries then. This year, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo added Nigeria to the list of countries of particular concern. So why do you think Pompeo did that? What's happening in Nigeria? Well, I think what we have seen in Nigeria over the last several years is the, the growth of Boko Haram, the number of attacks, the severity of the attacks, and, and I think really the unwillingness or the inability of the Nigerian government to put a stop to it, to protect Christian Nigerian citizens, in particularly in the northern part of the country. Uh, I think, you know, the State Department has been watching that for a number of years. They've commented about Boko Haram, and now they're saying, listen, this is a country, as a country, Christians and religious minorities are not safe there. That's why they've designated a country of particular concern. And, and I know, Todd, it's not just Boko Haram. It's the Islamic State in Africa and other uh, radical groups there, Islamic groups. You mentioned that you're concerned about that in your, in your new prayer guide. Tell us about that concern in Africa. Well, you know, the first request of persecuted Christians is that we pray for them. And so each year, the Voice of the Martyrs issues a global prayer guide. It's available for free for Christians in America who want to pray for persecuted Christians. This year, there are two new countries in our global prayer guide. They are Burkina Faso and Cameroon, both in Africa. In the case of Cameroon, right next door to Nigeria, a lot of the persecution we see is Boko Haram coming across the border into Cameroon and persecuting Christians there. But it's really part of a pattern of radical Islam growing on the continent of Africa and affecting our Christian brothers and sisters, affecting their safety, affecting how they live, affecting how they minister. That's why there are two new countries in the Global Prayer Guide, and both of them are on the continent of Africa. And North Korea always seems to top most lists as worst persecutor. Has the plight of Christians there improved at all since President Trump reached out to Kim Jong-un, or are we seeing more of the same? 
you know, there really hasn't been a significant change in how Christians in North Korea are treated. And the, the thing that people have to understand is, is that the Kim regime is built as a religion. Uh, the members of the Kim family are considered to be deities. Uh, children are taught before they have a meal to say, thank you, Father Kim Il-sung, for our food. So they cannot allow Christianity to spread. They cannot allow it to grow freely in North Korea because Christianity undermines the government. It undermines the regime. If Jesus is Lord, then Kim Jong-un is not Lord. And so that's why the government simply cannot let Christianity spread. That's why we see the intense persecution of Christians in North Korea. And of course, in neighboring China, many Christians there say they're suffering the worst persecution against them since Chairman Mao's cultural revolution. So what's the latest in China? You know, China has cracked down and what we used to say, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we would say, well, yes, in this province, there's a lot of persecution, but, but look over here, the church is operating really without a lot of interference. What we say in 2021 is that everywhere in China, there is intense persecution of Christians. There is intense uh, efforts to control the church, to bring the church under Communist Party control. It's everywhere in China, and it is affecting every Christian in the country. Share your thoughts about persecution coming to the USA. Well, we just had a conversation on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with our president, Cole Richards, and one of the things he talked about is the fact that if you're going to live a boldly biblical Christian life in the United States, you are going to pay a price. And maybe it will be sort of subtle. Maybe it will be friends that, that move away from you. Maybe it will be more direct. Maybe it will affect your employment. Maybe it will affect your opportunities for promotions or advancement in your job. But, you know, that is exactly what Christ promised. Christ said, the world hates me. If you follow me, the world will hate you too. We haven't, as American Christians, really experienced that very much. That may be changing, and we may be seeing the day where it really does cost someone to follow Jesus Christ boldly, even right here in the United States. And quickly, Todd, as this administration departs, many religious freedom advocates are offering praise for the efforts of Mike Pompeo, Sam Brownback. Vice President Mike Pence and others who made religious freedom a priority. So your thoughts on the efforts now, what do you think the future holds with Joe Biden in the White House? Well, it's hard to know, you know, how the new administration will handle this, but I, I do hope that religious freedom will be a priority for them, both here in the United States as well as around the world, promoting religious freedom promoting the idea that even as a, a member of a minority religious group, like Christians in some Muslim nations, you deserve protection. You deserve the freedom to worship as you see fit. Obviously, it's something that our founding fathers found very important as they set up our country. I hope the Biden administration will continue to make it an important part of our foreign policy going forward. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that. Todd Nettleton of The Voice of the Martyrs and host of VOM Radio. Thanks for being with us, Todd. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. COVID-19 has certainly changed our lives in a big way. Our next guest calls it a black swan, a once-in-a-century event that changes everything. But might something worse still be ahead? 
Our next guest is here to provide us with some timely insights. Chuck Bentley is CEO of Crown Financial, the world's largest Christian financial ministry. He's author of the new book, Seven Gray Swans. Chuck, it's certainly a pleasure to talk with you. So what are these seven gray swans you're talking about? How could they shake the world? Well, the gray swan is an event that is obvious. It's out in the open. People see it. They know that it's there. They know it's a significant threat, but they tend to ignore it and do nothing about it. And so I've been watching for these gray swans, and I think they transcend the current crisis that we're in. They're things that I believe are coming, Gary, and, and ones that I'm watching for and I hope other believers are aware of as well. Well, let's discuss a few of the uh, specifics here. Digital currency. We're already seeing more people invest in Bitcoin, other digital currencies. Is that here to stay and how might that change our lives? What's the downside? Well, we're seeing a move to a cashless society. That's been happening for decades and it's happening more rapidly, especially with the threat that our actual physical currency may be tainted with a virus. And so more and more people are entering the electronic economy. And over time, the Bible warns that ultimately the Antichrist will control the world through the economy. And so I think we need to be aware that it's moving that direction rapidly and to do our part to be prepared for that. Uh, it doesn't mean we shouldn't own Bitcoin. It doesn't mean that we need to hoard gold and cash, but it does, but it does mean we need to be wise and prepared. Well, also, many Democrats like AOC and Bernie Sanders would like to see a guaranteed basic income for most Americans. Now, people seem to like their stimulus checks, but I don't think you believe the nation can afford for the government to keep giving people money. Well, I don't believe in universal basic income. Uh, that means that all of us would receive a monthly stipend or some form of uh, support, regardless of any qualification. Uh, that's what's happening during the stimulus, and those type of programs are very hard to stop. Obviously, uh, people are getting money in the mail during the crisis, but my hope is that we will not endorse this policy to see that continue, because ultimately we can't afford it. It would be like uh, you know, eating sugar for your diet. It feels good for a little while, but it doesn't do good in the long term. Do we ever get out of this debt? I mean, uh, the national debt, we're, we're closing in on $30 trillion. No, I don't think we do. And I think that we're entering a period called modern monetary theory, where we're putting into practice the idea that our debt doesn't matter. Now, that's that's completely unorthodox with all of economic history. But there are people who are in positions today causing this debt to rise who believe that it really doesn't matter, that we can go on printing money indefinitely. Uh, you're correct. We're into trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt right now. And I personally don't think we'll pay it back. I think we're going to see other painful options that are forced upon us if we continue to do or to practice modern monetary theory. Well, what is that? I mean, inflate, inflation or? Well, what's forced upon us is uh, a restructuring of our debt. That's when our debtors tell us uh, what we have to do, some sort of austerity program, some sort of uh, massive tax increase, a hyperinflation that would make it easier for the government to repay their debt. Those are all bad options. Those are options that we don't want to get to. But if we keep practicing modern monetary theory, which I think both sides of the aisle are into right now, that's what it's going to lead to. 
Also, I've got to ask about biometrics and social scoring. Already, we're hearing talk about an app that people could use to prove prove that they've uh, received they have received the COVID-19 vaccine. So, how do you see that approach possibly morphing into restrictions on travel, the implementation of a social credit system like they have in China, so forth? Well, we're seeing it already developing in the private sector right now. If I take a, a an Uber. Not only do I evaluate the driver, but the driver evaluates me. And a private company could uh, vote me out of their system. We're seeing that uh, in social media right now. And that's a form of social scoring. And social scoring is very dangerous for our freedom. It's very dangerous not only for free speech, but even getting things like a tax refund, being able to uh, travel, being able to have access to certain properties or buildings or museums. I think it's coming. I think it's one we all need to be to have a heightened awareness of and to be very careful about supporting the things that allow ultimate control over our free speech. So biblically, how should we respond then? How can we protect our families, our money, our investments? Well, the Bible says we should be prudent, and prudent is sort of a lost word in our culture today. It means charting a right path to the right destination. It's not a knee-jerk reaction, and it's not a paralysis. It's taking the proper action. I've written a book about it because there's no simple answer. We obviously need to diversify our investments. We need to get out of debt. We need to increase our savings. We need to increase our ability to persevere through what I think are going to be turbulent times ahead, Gary. Okay, we'll have to wait and see, but that's what the Bible predicts. Chuck Bentley, CEO of Crown Financial and author of the new book, Seven Gray Swans. Thanks for sharing your time and insights. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me. Presidential impeachment for a second time. Capitol Hill riots, social media giants, and big tech limiting what you see and hear. COVID-19 lockdowns, people getting sick, losing their lives, jobs, and businesses. It seems like it may never end, but there is hope. So what do we do to overcome this unprecedented time we're in? Well, joining us to provide his thoughts is Richard Battle. Mr. Battle is author of the book, Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense in Uncommon Times. So Richard, it's so good to talk with you. We're certainly in uncommon times and we sure could use some common sense right now, but it seems everyone's caught up in emotion. Let's first look at the rise of big tech and the social media giants. So do you think that they're having a positive or a negative impact on our society and the American psyche at this time? Well, my personal opinion is it's a negative on the psyche and it's all part of the media increase in our lives and trying to get us jacked up for the present. And fortunately, we of faith have a perspective that's a little bit longer that we can rely on and we know how the story ends. So hopefully uh, they will not affect us as much as people who don't have faith. And of course, the COVID-19 pandemic and ongoing lockdowns leading to job and business losses, death, depression, mental health issues, even students struggling with remote learning. All of these developments have made navigating life's journey much more difficult. So how do we overcome that, Richard? Well, and as I've told people, Normally, when we face challenges, we face them individually or in small groups. And with COVID, we're all facing the same storm at the same time. So it's been a real interesting uh, period of time. Uh, I think the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to remain 
positive since we of faith know what the outcome of a story is. And I think of Viktor Frankl in the Nazi concentration camps where he discovered that man's last freedom was how to choose their attitude no matter what the circumstance. And he discovered people with positive attitudes survived the camps at greater numbers than those with negative attitudes. Many of our viewers, as you know, they know that a relationship with God can help give them that strength to get through it all, but do they need more than that? One of the things I learned after losing my son some years ago and writing about it and surviving grief by God's grace, uh, there's a tendency when we have challenges, and a lot of people never had any challenges before COVID, to say, why me? And my personal opinion and what I learned is why me focuses in the past. And I don't believe God is in the past. He's in the future. And so what I discovered helped me was the right question was, what now? What do you expect? What's going to happen? How do we become a unified nation, a common sense society? Well, Winston Churchill, who I think is one of the greatest leaders of the 20th century, said in war resolution, in defeat, defiance, in victory, magnanimity, and in peace, goodwill. And to bring the country back together in unity, there's going to have to be magnanimity from the victors. If not, there'll be nothing but defiance from the losers. And we've not seen magnanimity yet. I hope it will come because that's what we have to have to come back together. How do we do that, though, uh, with impeachment? I mean, that's, that, to me, that's not a way to unify a nation. It's easier said than done, isn't it? Well, abs absolutely, it's easier said than done, and it has to come from the victors. And, and we who are in the South, our ancestors knew, based on Reconstruction after the Civil War, what happened and some of the bitterness that came because of the oppression of Reconstruction. And to get over this election and move forward, the winners are going to have to reach out to the losers and not persecute them, but invite them back to the table to converse, listen to their opinions, consider it, compromise periodically, and bring us back together with a single focus and mission as a country. But if they pursue prosecutions and persecuting people of faith and people who disagree with them, uh, unity will not come back. Okay, we'll see what happens. A lot up to Joe Biden and also the leadership on Capitol Hill. Your book is Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense in Uncommon Times. Richard Battle, thank you for sharing your time and insights today. Thank you, and God bless America. By now, you've probably heard how big tech is limiting speech in the aftermath of the Capitol Hill incursion. President Trump was booted off Twitter and Facebook. Google and Apple blocked the Parler app from download. And Amazon kicked Parler off its servers. Parler has sued over that. But did you know even some folks at the Voice of America are trying to limit speech? Yes, the Voice of America. VOA was founded in 1942 to combat Nazi propaganda and later to promote democracy and freedom behind the Iron Curtain. Those ideas were broadcast freely over the airwaves and countries where opposing ideas and speech were suppressed. But this week, some government workers said they didn't want U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo speaking to them at VOA headquarters in Washington. Regardless, Pompeo did address the workers there last Monday, and his remarks were broadcast around the world. 
He responded to his critics by delivering a warning about so-called woke culture and placing limits on speech. They didn't want the voice of American diplomacy to be broadcast on the voice of America. Think about that for just a moment. Look, we're all part of institutions with duties and responsibilities higher and bigger and more important than any one of us individually. But this kind of sensorial instinct is dangerous. It's morally wrong. Indeed, it's against your statutory mandate here at VOA. Censorship, wokeness, political correctness, it all points in one direction, authoritarianism cloaked as moral righteousness. Similar to what we're seeing at Twitter and Facebook and Apple and on too many university campuses today. It's not who we are. It's not who we are as Americans. And it's not what Voice of America should be. It's time that we simply put wokeism to sleep. And you can lead the way. Yes, it's time for Americans to speak out against this woke culture. Whether it's big tech limiting speech or VOA employees attempting to silence the U.S. Secretary of State. Those actions are not woke at all. An enlightened society is one where corporations, politicians, and citizens conduct their lives unafraid of what people have to say, whether they disagree with it or not. Free speech is at the heart of what we believe as Americans. We've never feared speaking our minds or sharing our opinions. That only happens to people in communist China or other totalitarian regimes, not here. Lies, propaganda, and deceit can only be dispelled by an informed public, not by biased big tech fact checkers. It happens through an open exchange of ideas, vigorous civil debate, and unregulated public discourse. Jesus told us in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So fear not. Freedom of speech leads to the truth and the truth freedom. Isn't it time to demand that American corporations and our government leaders actually demonstrate a commitment to the First Amendment and liberty? That may be the best way to bring about a more prosperous future for all Americans. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and hopefully again on Parlor. And until next time, be blessed.